Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're invited to I Am The Cute One, the most chaotic school dance in the podcast universe. Let's spike the punch, grind to Usher, and recap some of the cutest movies that made our millennial minds explode. Hello, I am Chelsea, and I am the cute one. And I am Donnie, and I am the cute one. But today we are joined by another set of cuties. We have Peter and Chloe, the creators behind the viral Instagram account, I am 30 AF. Hi. Hey. 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 Thank you so much for having us. Oh, please. Thank you for coming. I am so excited for this week's movie. We are covering Coyote Ugly. It really held up, too. Like, I loved watching this. Sometimes we watch movies that aren't so fun to watch. But this one, I had a great time. I was shocked because I always revisit movies that I remember being amazing. And then there's always that moment where it's like, this is 70% horribly problematic. <laughs> yeah. And then also just a really garbage movie. Yeah. And I'm talking about She's All That. <laughs> This was good. Like, I was kind of dreading watching it and liked it. Same. And I was going to say this. I watched the uh, Coyote Ugly maybe a few months ago. So this is my second time watching it in a year, which I feel like is a lot. I feel like that's a lot for Coyote Ugly. That is a lot of Coyote Ugly. Right? Yeah, you watched it more this year than probably Leanne Rimes did in her lifetime. 100%. 100%. Oh my gosh. Well, let's get into the movie. So this movie was released on August 4th, 2000. It was, you guessed it, a Friday. The top song in the United States was It's Gonna Be May (laughs) by NSYNC. The Clumps was at the top of the box office and Brad Pitt and Jennifer Aniston had just been married. Wow. Which I just want to say, I did not realize because then, of course, I'm me. So I went down like a Google spiral. I didn't realize that they were only married for five years. Oh, yeah, it was short. I just felt like it was like forever. And then Angelina came and then it was a whole thing. And I, I hated that woman for a long time. This is my public apology to Angelina. I blamed the wrong person. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> also, in the year 2000, that's really when like the Nokia brick phone was becoming increasingly popular, as well as a new thing that the kids were calling text messaging. Hmm. I think I got my first cell phone when I was a sophomore in high school, which was 2002, and it was like it was like a brick. It was just and the screen, you know, like it had it had like a green screen, and all I could do was. T9 text and play like that snake game. Snake. I think we had the same phone. I bet we did. <laughs> I wouldn't be I wouldn't be surprised. I got this like prepaid virgin wireless phone that just said virgin really big on the back. <laughs> and it was like I lived way up in the mountains and it got zero reception, uh. but I would constantly like fill up the minutes or whatever to buy the ringtones. <laughs> and I would just sit there listening to the ringtones and it was completely unusable. <laughs> My first phone was the Nokia brick phone where you could play Snake and I think you could like set it on fire and it wouldn't die. That thing was indestructible. I think it needs to be studied for science. The military (laughs) could use that technology, something. And then I do remember when texting became a thing 
because it was at that period of time that if you didn't have the cell phone plan that included texting, it was like 10 cents per text. Mm. And I vividly remember my dad calling me downstairs and like sitting me down on the couch and being like, what the fuck is text messaging? And why is our phone bill like $600? (laughs) I forgot. And it used to be um, free nights and weekends too, remember? So then you would only be able to call your friends like after 8 p.m. Yeah. And then when I went to college, I got the pink razor and that became like my entire personality. It was an aphrodisiac to like snap that thing shut (laughs) when you were in an argument with someone, like nothing more satisfying than just like a... You're taking me back right now. I remember closing that phone and feeling like the baddest bitch on the planet, like sending a text and just... Uh Uh-huh, just snapping it shut. See, I never had a trendy phone until I got an iPhone before that. Like, it was always a brick. And then, like, a flip phone brick. But I never had a razor. I never had, um, what was the, like, a sidekick? Yeah, a Blackberry. I never had, I wanted the thing that chirped. I never had that. Mm. I was just a brick boy until I was an iPhone boy. I would almost be okay with having a brick phone again. Like, I want my iPhone for everything other than phone calls. Mm. And then I want a brick just on the side for Snake and, like, the one phone call I make a week. (laughs) The, the battery will never die. Never. It's always going to be there. <laughs> you can use it for the full year. You won't need to charge <laughs> it until Chloe watches Coyote Ugly again. Make it too. So let's take this conversation over to the community page at thedip.com. It's a great way to join the conversation, connect with your favorite content creators, and express yourself. So head over to the dip.com, that's dip with two Ps, and use code SALSA for 75% off. I want to know if you also made having the pink razor your entire personality. I want to know if you were a BBM gal. Is that what it was called? BBM for BlackBerry? <laughs> I never got into the BlackBerry game. I want to know if you were one of the like OG iPhone people, because I remember I was like, this iPhone thing, like the people that make the iPod, they're making <laughs> phones. This is never going to work. <laughs> you should have got stock. <laughs> So getting into Coyote Ugly, Donnie, do you have any background information, trivia, or tidbits for us? I do, just a little bit. Imagine if one day you were like, no. (laughs) Well, (laughs) this is pretty close to it, but I'm I'm milking it. So the writer was Gina Wenkos, who wrote The Princess Diaries 1 and 2, and it was directed by David McNally, who didn't direct much, but he did direct the Leanne Rimes Can't Fight the Moonlight video, and kangaroo jack so not a, not a big career but a okay. career nonetheless which came first was leanne rhymes like did she see kangaroo jack and she was like i must have him no kangaroo jack was after that was his follow-up he said what oh. what is a companion piece to coyote ugly oh kangaroo jack he went off to australia with mr o'donnell and just oh yeah life. i wonder if that actor is in kangaroo jack I'll find out. <laughs> okay, please do. <laughs> Peter's on the case. For some trivia, the soundtrack was on the Billboard Top 40 for over a year and sold over 3 million copies. This soundtrack is so good. 
It is. It's half Leanne Rhymes, but the other half is like jock jams, basically. It's so good. <laughs> and then some casting news I have for you. Britney Spears, Jewel, and Feruza Balk, which like one of these things is not like the other. It's her. <laughs> Spoiler alert. They were all considered for the role of Violet with Jessica Simpson winning out and getting signed on to play Jersey. But Jessica Simpson dropped out when she read the script and filmmaker refused to take out the sex scene hmm. yeah so it could have been a not good movie <laughs> because jessica is not quite an actress i wonder if it was the sex scene or the strip tease surrounded by cutouts that was like <laughs> nope not for me not this script was this pre or post dukes of hazard because i feel like this was peak jessica simpson i think this was pre and I wonder if she would have been singing Violet's songs or if they still would have had Leanne Rhymes like lip syncing along with her. Imagine. Imagine <laughs> it was Jessica Simpson, but Leanne Rhymes was her voice double. Right. <laughs> they had to have wanted someone that could sing, I assume, because Jessica, Brittany, and Jewel were all considered. So, I mean, Brittany would have lip synced. <laughs> you heard it here first. And Jewel would have been a choice. Like, I can't quite picture that. <laughs> No, no offense to Joel. Uh, well, a little bit of offense. <laughs> <laughs> it would have been a different movie yeah. with Joel, for mm-hmm, sure. Mm-hmm. I actually have a fun fact that I really want to oh. share. But um, Elizabeth Gilbert of Eat, Pray, Love fame, she wrote Eat, Pray, Love. Yeah. In yeah. 1997, she published an article about working at Coyote Ugly. She worked at Coyote Ugly. She published an article in GQ, and that's what the movie's based off of, actually. Oh, my wow. gosh. Isn't that fascinating? That is so wild. And there's a picture with her in these like very high-waisted 90s mom jeans and like a turtleneck, like force-feeding some guy whiskey. (laughs) And it's like got some energy from the movie, but it's like a very different feeling vibe than the like pouring water down your top thing we got in the movie. Oh, wow. Yeah, I've passed it. I've passed the building in New York and I was like, this is a place I never want to go in. But besides (laughs) that, I don't have any experience. And Adam Garcia was not in Kangaroo Jack. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. So before we get into you guys giving a one minute synopsis, I want to just introduce a new segment because I realized that Donnie and I inevitably do this every week anyway, because we are narcissists. (laughs) So I want to ask what character of this movie did you personally identify as? If any. It's so tough. We were talking about this today, and maybe this is just a thing of this type of movie in that time. These are the flattest characters. Yeah. Like any of the coyotes, like they have no scenes. No There's like, okay, arc. this one is angry. This one's kind of dumb. This one's going to law school. And that's like their entire personality. Mm-hmm. Lil is probably the most developed apart from Violet. Uh-huh. Right. I don't think I relate to any of them. Chloe, what about you? This is such a lame answer, like the lamest one. But I think uh, the best friend, I'm like the supporting uh, character. She's the only choice. You know, I, I'm just I'm not any of the coyotes for sure. So you're just a real life baby angel because she was the best character of the movie. <laughs> yeah, she real was. Baby angel. She was great. <laughs> That's me. Yeah. <laughs> I could be John Goodman. Like, I McDonald's is fine. <laughs> what about you two? I think I'm Tyra. Uh, <laughs> Only because, like, every scene she was in, she was unhinged. Like, that woman needed to be tied to a chair, I think. And that's mm-hmm. that's me. Do we think that was her developing the character and really fleshing out the part? Or do we just think that was Tyra just seeping on through? She probably didn't even have lines in the script. They just said, come in and just be you. Bring your Vaseline and you do you. <laughs> 
Yeah, I identify as Violet just because I am also an entitled brat who thinks that all of my dreams should come true. (laughs) (laughs) Before we dive into the plot of this movie, I'll just let you guys both jump in and one minute give me the synopsis of this fine film. Okay, we wrote something out. Oh, I love this. Let me like pull it, be a nerd and like pull it up right now. Hold on. I like have a notebook filled with notes. Like, do people do this? Are we huge losers? No, you're not losers. I just think you don't know what podcast you came on. (laughs) Because because we will probably be referring to people as like the blonde one, the angry one. Tyra. (laughs) We are too. Okay, good. Well, Peter, you already Googled Kangaroo Jack. So again, you both are like 10 steps ahead of us because we were not going to have a button on that. We were just going to leave it out there floating in the universe. No one would have known. Okay. Should I do the recap? Oh, yeah. Go for it. Girl moves literally 30 miles from home, makes a big deal out of it, gets a well-paying job within maybe a week, dancing on a bar that randomly has a clientele made up of, depending on the scene, either 100% trucker finance bros who girl sprays with soda water from time to time, or 100% shoulder-padded business ladies who enthusiastically bid on the male friends and family of our main girl. Boss fires her literally every shift until some impossible nightmare scenario erupts on her way out the door, and she's the only one who can save the day. Girl meets a guy with an Australian accent and a convertible who helps her overcome stage fright with the help of a shitload of cardboard cutouts. Less than a year later, she lands her dream job writing music for Lee and Rhymes, who funnily enough, our girl has been lip syncing to the entire film. Wow. That was actual perfection. You should get a job writing for the back of DVD cases. <laughs> well, on that note, I don't think I'm going to do it better, but let's jump in. So Violet is leaving her small town in Jersey. And like you said, Chloe, traveling the 42 miles into New York City. Her dad is not happy about this and sends her off with a cheerful reading of the morning paper where he tells her about all of the people who have been murdered in the big city. <laughs> which I did relate to because my brother lives in Brooklyn. And when he moved there, you would have thought he was moving to Jupiter. Like my parents were so concerned. Every time they visit him, it's like an entire (laughs) production. Yeah, when I moved to New York, well, I grew up in the suburbs of Philadelphia and my grandfather lived in Philadelphia. And one time when we went to my dad dropped something off or whatever, I was in the back seat and he kept me in the car and I heard a gunshot. So then like I laid on the back seat and put a blanket over myself and hid and then I would I was terrified to go into Philadelphia like from then on out so then when I said I was moving to New York everyone was like how are you going to survive in New York if you can't even do Philly I'm like all right (laughs) well I'm doing just fine in New York that's kind of traumatizing Donnie yeah I know that's why I'm afraid of everything (laughs) I love that your family like used that as an opportunity to shame you like you can't even get it together when there's a gunshot outside how dare you (laughs) so Violet tells her dad that he told her that she could be anything and that's why she wants to be a songwriter in New York City and this I've said it before this is the danger of providing your kids with unconditional support and encouragement (laughs) My parents suffered from this affliction. They told me I could be anything. And then I would do things like hold them hostage in my basement to 
perform like one woman stand-up shows as a six-year-old. Like they enabled me and now I'm here. And so when they have to tell their friends that I am a podcast host, like that's on them. (laughs) See, my parents did not support. Everyone in my family just becomes a teacher, except my parents. Like, Like they make the rules, but they don't abide by it. So when I went to school, I went to be a teacher. And then halfway through, I watched The Devil Wears Prada and changed my major to communication journalism magazine design and then I also didn't do that (laughs) and then and then like 15 years after graduating then I decided I would maybe get into communication is now a good time for me to tell you that I've never seen the devil wears Prada (sighs) we'll add it to the list (laughs) add it to the list you both run a wildly successful like viral Instagram page does your family like understand it not at all no they they don't get it but they're super supportive and great yeah my parents are so supportive but if I explain what we do to anyone else like any other boomer I'm like I'm in marketing oh totally I I don't even want to go into it yeah my parents don't understand it at all every once in a while something will happen like um, Melissa Rivers just started following me and like my mom understood that that was a big deal now god I have not checked if she's still following me I've got to (laughs) she saw the like hundred dashes at the top of my story and was like peace it's been a good two minutes like things like that my mom is like oh but then I try to explain a meme and I'm like you know what Never mind. Just, it's okay. <laughs> right. I work in HR. Yeah. <laughs> I've said it before, but my mom asks at least once a week how she can watch my podcast. And I was like, it's like a radio show. There's no place to watch it. And then again, next week, she's like, I really want to support you. Where do I watch it? I'm like, I'll see you next week when we have this conversation again. Violet's plan to become a star is essentially aimlessly walking around the city, holding up a mixtape and telling people that she is a songwriter. So after a truly insane bar order where she asks for a Pepsi and crackers, she sees Mr. Kevin O'Donnell, who she thinks is in charge of booking talent. So in a skeezy move, he doesn't correct her. Her, and then he stalks her as she walks home. I'm glad that this turned into a meet cute because in real life, this would have turned into Violet's name being in the morning paper for her dad to read. <laughs> you called it a meet cute, and it clearly is in the script, but it took me a long time to get over the fact that he lied to her about being a whatever music manager or whatever. It was like halfway through the movie and I was like, maybe I'll warm up to him. Now, it did help that I do think this man is the hottest actor of all time. Like this, (laughs) out of all of the male leads we've had, I really was feeling things for Kevin O'Donnell. (laughs) Also, Violet is a little bit slow, I think, because first of all, everyone was like giggling and whispering in the back when he said he was the music manager. So like pick up on social cues. But also he's a line cook. He had to smell like grease and like shrimp and burgers and stuff. And she, she didn't pick up on that. Oh, that's just the music manager. <laughs> Jersey, please. Well, that made me wonder too. Like she seems way too naive for Jersey. Like you just would think being that close to the city and just being from New Jersey, you would have a little bit more like street smarts yeah. than she has. Right. And I don't know if she's not a good actress because nobody on that short list of people they wanted as the lead are are really known for their, like, you know, Oscars on their shelves. But, like, 
Melanie Linsky as the best friend leaned heavily into the Jersey accent. John Goodman had right. a subtle Jersey accent. And then Piper Pirabo just, <laughs> whatever her voice came out of the cooch, that's the one she was using in this movie. Because she didn't try any kind of Jersey work. I feel like when she was in the pizza shop, she like tried a few times to do like a very stereotypical like, your pizza, yeah. and then going back to yeah. can't fight the moonlight. Uh, is out of the cooch... Is that a phrase, Donnie? Is that like a known thing or is that just something that slid off the tongue? I mean, I heard Ashley Darby's mom say it once in an episode of Potomac. So, okay. so I've been saying it ever since. Okay. So after bombing an open mic night and getting robbed, Violet meets the coyotes who just made $300 in a single night. And she learns that Zoe, played by... An absolutely unhinged Tyra Banks is headed off to law school, leaving an opening at the club. So after an unconventional interview, Violet is hired when she shows spunk and insults the bar owner. I did, I did relate to Violet with her bad interview because when I first moved to <laughs> New York... I like was in desperate need of a job. I moved to New York. I was like one of those Madonna stories where I moved to New York with like $72 and a box of cheese crackers that I had to make last a month. Nothing in this world describes you more than you just casually saying that you were a Madonna story. <laughs> well, I am. I just didn't have my like a prayer moment yet, but it's coming. It's coming. But yeah, I only had a box of cheese crackers that I moved with. So like I was in desperate need of money. And I made those box of cheese crackers last for a month. I lost 40 pounds in 32 days, not by choice. <laughs> like oh I gosh. needed a way to live. So I yeah. went into the local Ruby Tuesdays to apply to be a host and they loved me. I went in for a second interview but the night before the second interview i went out and drank heavily so then i threw up and we all know when i throw up my face breaks out um mm. i went in wearing like a lime green polo i don't know why i don't know if it was self-sabotage but lime green polo throw up face i still smelled like vomit and alcohol needless to say i did not get the job <laughs> so i lost a few more pounds the, the next week but yeah it was not a good interview. Anyone else? So would you rather work at Ruby Tuesdays in Times Square or Coyote Ugly? I'd rather work at Coyote Ugly. I don't want to go in there as a patron. Unless it's businesswoman night. Like, then I think I would fit. <laughs> we were talking about how this looks like the worst bar on the planet. They've got three bartenders and 500 customers. And the bartenders are dancing the entire time. Like, how long would it take to get a drink? One thing that really stood out is someone went to the counter and Violet was like, what do you want? And he was like, two beers. And didn't say what kind of beer. And then she goes to the tap and they just have Miller Lite. So this is a bar that serves Miller Lite and shots of like rum, whiskey and vodka and nothing else. And if you order water, they dump ice on you. Like this looks horrific. It's Truly. some sort of psychological warfare. Like if you're going to this place, you need to look inward and perhaps invest in some therapy. So it's quickly apparent that Violet is in way over her head and that also she didn't actually know what job she demanded to have. It's chaos. The women are spraying champagne, cutting off ponytails, <laughs> denying their patrons water, and ripping shots. Chaos. It really was. And Peter told us 
about the chaos in the movie, but we had a listener send in a story when we said we were doing this recap. She was at the real Coyote Ugly for her sister's bachelorette party and sent in a little story. So she said the girl on the bar did a high kick and kicked out a light bulb. So glass went flying all over and hit her sister's friend in the face and cut her eyelid. And they didn't care. They just threw a dirty bar rag at her to clean it up. And then she said, we continue to drink, but what a way to start the night. Oh, my God. <laughs> so I do think what we see in this movie is kind of similar <laughs> to, to what happens in real life. That is so wild. Sounds great. <laughs> Can you imagine the bathrooms at Coyote Ugly? Like, oh. I just want nothing to do with this place. Mm-mm. No, because even the parts, like the places you're supposed to drink are dirty and gross. So, like, the parts that are hidden behind a door must be worse. Well, and everybody must be peeing, like, a deep orange because no one is allowed to hydrate. Like, it's going to smell. Even if they're, like, hitting the toilet, you don't want to be in that, you know? No. Yeah, maybe if they gave out water, there wouldn't be so many fist fights. <laughs> <laughs> like what you're hearing? Head to patreon.com slash one for more. There you can find uncut, unedited, and unhinged video and audio footage of current episodes. That's patreon.com slash I am the cute one. See you there. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Cuties, you know I cannot see a movie without pretending I'm in it, and now it's your turn. Have you ever tried to use the force when no one's looking or thought about what superheroes would win in a fight? Then you'll want to stop what you're doing, (laughs) unless you're driving, and visit Sideshow.com. Your eyes do not deceive you. They have a life-size, impeccably detailed replica of the child from Star Wars The Mandalorian. Now, I don't mean to brag, but Sideshow did send me the child. I call him Baby Yoda. I have since learned that is not his name, but he is my son now, so I will be continuing to call him as such. And we have been playing dress up, having photo shoots, and just having a grand old time. But if that one doesn't speak to you, how about a movie-accurate statue of Christopher Reeve as Superman? They got that too. But just wait until you see the incredibly lifelike figures of Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man. We are thrilled to have Sideshow sponsoring our podcast today. They offer a wide selection of premium figures, statues, and fine art from the worlds of Star Wars, DC, Marvel, Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings, and so much more. These limited edition, handcrafted, officially licensed collectibles bring pop culture's biggest icons to life in your home. And here is the best part. You can get an exclusive $50 off your first order of $200 or more. It's a great opportunity for new customers to dive into the world of high-quality collectibles. Or you can gift it to that super geek in your life. Perhaps that person in your life that you know would cringe when they hear that I've been letting my daughter sleep with my baby Yoda. And again, that I refuse to stop calling it Baby Yoda. Plus, shopping at Sideshow earns you 5% back in Sideshow rewards, meaning for every $100 spent, you get $5 back in rewards that can be used on future purchases. 
While geeking out is its own reward, your collection goes farther with Sideshow. So, what are you waiting for? Visit Sideshow.com, promo code CUTE1, right now, and get ready to let your geek side show. Oh, that's clever. Sideshow. Like Sideshow.com? I get it. Violet learns there are only two rules. Number one, don't date a customer. And number two, never bring your boyfriend into the bar. She basically immediately breaks this rule by inviting Kevin to the bar after... Okay, no, I need to slow down here. After going back to see him to get the tape of all of her songs. And this is when I realized, like, Violet is actually an idiot. She only has one tape. She only has one mixtape of her songs. What was her plan to get famous if she literally just handed off her only mixtape to the first man she was told was like a music manager? <laughs> a moron. Like, And it only would take like a few minutes to make another copy of that cassette, right? Also, in 2000, wouldn't they have... I feel like I was burning CDs in 2000. Was that like right on the border of like tapes and cds why was she walking around with cassettes that's true i guess eventually she gets like a macbook so maybe (laughs) that's when she would have like transitioned to cds but to have one tape like get it together (laughs) so your plan to get famous and again this is why i vibe with her because i'm also like well this will work but so she moved into new york city with one single mixtape of her songs and she was like this is fine. I'm going to be famous. Cool, cool, cool. And at least she gave it to someone that she could go chase down and pick it back up. If this was stolen in the robbery, she would have been really fucked. (laughs) (laughs) So she hoses down the fire marshal when he orders water. So she needs to find a way to come up with $250 in a single night. Luckily, she had invited her new love interest, Kevin. She decides to auction him off to the people. I would have paid $250 at least for him. (laughs) And then made him say crikey while I blew him. <laughs> a dingo ate your baby. Well, I'll be, I'll be eating more than that. Oh. Uh, you know what you signed up for <laughs> when you know. did this podcast. So as payback for making him dance on a bar and selling him off to horny women, Violet has to go out with him, which ends in a fishy kiss, which does sound like something that might result in antibiotics. But no, they literally just end their date by working at a fish market. How romantic. (laughs) There were a lot of times when I didn't really understand what was happening in this movie. And (laughs) this was one of them. I understand this, like, take your love interest to work day or whatever. I understand what he's trying to do. But... She literally makes fun of him later for having, like, eight jobs. Why not bring her to one of those? Why the fish market? He needed an extra set of hands for the fish. (laughs) I guess. They also had such good hair throughout all of these scenes. Like, can you imagine working all night only to end up at, like, a fucking fish market at (laughs) 5 o'clock in the morning? I know. Like, tossing these giant fish and still looking like that. When I toss fish, I look way worse. (laughs) She has like a sensible cardigan on. Right. Like, okay. (laughs) So she really starts to hit her stride as a coyote, overcoming her stage fright and using the power of song to end a riot. Wait, let me let me pause you for a second, because Uh at this point, I was like, Jersey's singing is becoming part of her act. Like throughout the rest of the movie, that is a gimmick of Coyote Ugly now, which is the same plot as burlesque. So like from here to the end of the movie i was like this is just burlesque what am i watching now i know this was first burlesque copied but like this is burlesque right 
Yeah. You never saw it. No, I've you? seen it. It had Christina Aguilera. Uh, I loved Christina and Cher. Aguilera. And Cher. But <laughs> yeah. Christina Aguilera was the main event for me. This was the same plot. But this movie didn't have Christina Aguilera. Mm. <laughs> and to celebrate her newfound confidence, she decides to lurk on a rooftop <laughs> like she's fucking Batman to write songs as she spies on her neighbors. And then after a striptease surrounded by life-size cutouts, she finally has the courage to perform one of her original songs for Kevin. Wait, which- me again, pausing you one more time. I do apologize. <laughs> These cutouts were like the rage in the early 2000s, late 90s. You could buy yeah. them at like FYE. You could buy them at Sam Goody, whatever. I had one, you know, Sarah Michelle Geller. We talked about it before. I did too. <laughs> You did? Which one did you have? Yeah, Buffy and <laughs> Angelina and Tomb Raider. Uh, oh my God. You know I didn't have the Angelina one. I told you I hated her for a long time. Wait, no, I have follow-up <laughs> questions because I know about your cutout. Where did you display yours? Like, were they in your bedroom? Yeah, they were just kind of down near my room. Yeah. What do you do with cutouts? And they're weirdly expensive. Why did we have these? And why did he have so many? So many. For someone with eight jobs, why do you have 26 cardboard cutouts? They were like $80 to get. (laughs) Insane. Can I read you what I wrote during this scene? Yes, please, please. (laughs) So these cardboard cutouts as violet strips to demonstrate what it's like to feel nervous so as to help Mr. O'Donnell understand why she's scared to sing. Fabio, Leo and Romeo and Juliet, (laughs) Jenna Elfman as Dharma from Dharma and Greg, and Abraham Lincoln. Like, why the fuck does he have a cardboard cutout of Abraham Lincoln? In his giant Manhattan apartment. This guy is not poor. He's just spending all of his money on cardboard cutouts. I know. I think he has a problem. Like, I think Uh. an intervention needs to take place. Wow. When you really lay it out person by person, a strange assortment. I don't know if I would feel comfortable having sex in that apartment. Like, am I going to wake up to a cardboard cutout of me next to me? Like, what's happening? Abraham Lincoln? Yeah, and because we've already put it into the script that he has so many jobs, they could have easily, like, made one of them a Borders or something, where he, like, got leftover (laughs) cardboard cutouts out of the trash. Why you would want it, I'm not sure, but at least then we knew they were free. Because we didn't have a throwaway comment, right, that explained it. Like, he wasn't like, oh... I'm subletting this apartment and this was my roommate's weird collection. Like it was just, they were there. That scene was filled with the biggest plot holes in the movie. Cause also it was her first time in that apartment and her like mom's guitar was ransom. <laughs> like there were so many things like, what the hell is this place? And why is all of her stuff there? Is he the one that robbed her apartment? <laughs> Oh, M. Night Shyamalan, who I wish. Well, I'm, I'm talking a lot of shit, but I have a cardboard cutout in my home as we speak. When we bought this house, Brett Favre came with it. Mm. In the garage, there was a cardboard cutout of Brett Favre that we just left there. And that is our home security system because it scares the shit out of every visitor we have. He's just lurking right there in the garage. So I told my husband, this quickly became a cardboard cutout podcast. <laughs> I told my husband that when we get an apartment with an office to, like, congratulate myself for having an office, I want to get a cardboard cutout of Octavia Spencer as Ma to put in there. Um, They don't sell those, so it's going to have to be a custom-made one, but Mm -hmm. that's okay. We're going to make it work. You'll never drink alone. That's good. So we do finally hear one of her original songs, and I have to say, I hate to break it to you, babe, but Head Over Feet by Alanis Morris came out in 1995 so this is plagiarism (laughs) if you listen to the first 10 seconds of the song it is the exact same tune is it 
now. Is. I'm going to put in a little clip and I'll let the cuties decide. I don't like to. I had no choice but to hear you. You had given me the heads up about the Leanne Rhymes lip syncing situation. And I was like, did they get Alanis too? <laughs> no. Just no, it was, but I do love you. Did you not know that song? No, I didn't think okay. it was a real song. It was so all of these were Leanne Rhymes songs. Oh, yeah. Every single thing that she like touches that keyboard for is the Leanne Rhymes song. Oh, so Leanne Rhymes copied Alanis Morissette. Well, you're saying that, but no, they're two very different songs. Hmm, we'll let people decide. <laughs> it's time for the quintessential 2000s montage. Violet is killing the coyote gig, buying Mac computers, falling in love with Kevin, and generally crushing the big city life until her dad surprises her at the bar and sees her in the middle of a wet t-shirt performance. And this is some sort of curse because things go from bad to worse. Well, John Goodman reminds me of my dad. So seeing him angry like was triggering to me and that's why i can't sit still when i watch roseanne because my mom reminds me of roseanne my dad reminds me of jad goodman and they're just angry all the time on that show so then i'm like oh my god i'm gonna get beat on that note Things go from bad to worse. I'd say. <laughs> she blows off the chance to perform one of her songs. Kevin shows up at the bar and causes a scene. She loses her job and her boyfriend on the spot. And her dad is hit by a car and ends up in the hospital. <laughs> We're not supposed to laugh at a car accident. <laughs> <laughs> I think now is the time that we take a moment to shout out the best character mm. of this movie, her best friend. This girl is truly ride or die. She has a straight up stash of money in her freezer just in case Violet needs it. <laughs> and she comes to the hospital on her wedding night to provide moral support. I love her. I love her. I love her too. But, uh, well, I love the actress. I love Melanie Linsky, Yellow Jackets Hive, Rise Up, Buzz Buzz. But <laughs> I think it was on purpose that we didn't see any scenes of the husband because if my new bride ran away after giving money that she hid in the freezer and not put towards like a new house or <laughs> the wedding we just had, there would be probably a little bit of a fight. <laughs> Fair. She's just being a good friend. Oh, she's a great friend. <laughs> what kind Terrible of wife, wife. is she? <laughs> <laughs> we were talking about her, Chloe. I feel like you were about to say the same thing. She's kind of like a Heather Matarazzo esque actor where they were in everything. everything. And like, I only feel like I really knew her name within the past few years, even though I have seen her in movies my entire life. Same, like Yellow Jackets after Yellow Jackets and like Melanie Linsky, Melanie Linsky, all about her. But before that, I mean, she was in so many movies look at her imdb it's like you you'll know every single one at least you've heard of it but i never knew her name was Melanie. and she's from new zealand she's from new zealand and she does that new jersey accent it's crazy that's wild to me because my bugaboo like one of my pet peeves is terrible american accents i can always spot it it's so distracting to me but i had no idea she was from New Zealand, I never would have known. If you Google any interview with her, I mean, you'll hear yeah. her like very thick New Zealand accent and then compare that to her accent in Coyote Ugly. Amazing. <laughs> yeah. So you know what, then I really have a problem with Piper Parabelle in this movie, because if she, if she <laughs> can do not only a different country, but then a specific state accent, Piper Parabelle could have just 
done a little Jersey accent. Not even oh, Trevor. Yeah. <laughs> no, not just in that pizza scene. <laughs> but despite all of this turmoil that's happening in Violet's life, like most entitled white girls, again, game recognized game, things just seem to work out for her. So not only does her dad start wearing Old Spice, get another woman to do his laundry and make a full recovery, but also Lil pays a visit to apologize for firing her. Am I crazy here? Like, I don't think Lil is in the wrong. I don't think she should be the one that's apologizing. You can say what you want about the rules of her bar, but she was very upfront about her expectations. She literally said there are two rules and you will be fired on the spot. Like she laid it out for Violet and Violet was like genuinely confused when the rules also applied to her. That's a good point. I didn't think that at first. I was like, oh my God, Lil's such a bitch. It was kind of just like, (laughs) it wasn't what she said. It wasn't that she fired her. It was how she said it. It was like, do not care about this woman at all. She's been working for you. She saved your ass several times, you know, with auctioning off her boyfriend, et cetera. Yeah, she could have been a a bit softer, I I thought. That's fair. That is fair. No, I understand that. But she, every time she saves her is because of a problem she created. Like, it's like, that's so Raven. Just Mm, ignore mm, your fucking visions because it's your fault (laughs) these people are in the hospital. So you might see your dad in the hospital, but you put him there. (laughs) Speaking of fathers in the hospital, I did think him eating poorly the whole time was foreshadowing because I remembered him going to the hospital. But then like, no, it's just a car accident. (laughs) That was odd character development. Of, like, <laughs> this guy's headed towards a cardiac event and, like, just didn't happen. <laughs> just a car event. Car crashes, <laughs> specifically getting hit by cars, were big in the 2000s. Like, a lot of getting hit by cars in these movies. Very odd. Like, <laughs> Cruel Intentions, I guess that was maybe yeah. 99, yeah. but... Mean Girls. Yeah. Oh and cardboard <laughs> cutouts. I watched Josie and the Pussycats yes! last night and they were very featured. Yes, they did. Whoever was lobbying for big cardboard cutout was really putting in the work, putting in the dollars because they were everywhere. My God. So this movie quickly turns into the Fast and the Furious as Violet finally gets her big break and rushes to the Bowery Ballroom to perform her original song. Who knew that tall booths could do that? And why do they have the option to do that? Like, is it made to celebrate people? <laughs> or is it, like, for emergencies? I've got to imagine it's made for emergencies. <laughs> I don't think whoever's, like, putting in lights in toll booths is like, just in case, you know? Happy birthday. <laughs> <laughs> just in case John Goodman's daughter's doing her show. Yeah, so the gang's all here. We've got her dad, her bestie, the Coyote Ugly Girls, including the bitchy one who has literally no character development whatsoever. And then Kevin, who shows up, cuts the lights, and in the dark, Violet is finally able to sing. But how did he cut the lights and then run (laughs) center of the audience holding a candle? They run quick in Australia. Kangaroo Jack! (laughs) (laughs) What did you guys think of this performance? I weirdly cried. Like, there was this bizarre moment I don't know why, like this, this movie, I don't give a shit about any of these characters. <laughs> they don't make you care. But then in that moment, there was something that's like, it was, it was nice. I was here for it. I will not lie. The point where I started so- like sobbing, <laughs> physically sobbing was the toll scene when they started like blinking the lights and like, I just started sobbing. So at this point I was still kind of recovering from that uh-huh. scene. Like I was like wiping my tears away. So I wasn't really processing her performance. That's fair. I cried at this scene too, Peter. I don't know what... And again, 
I don't care if she succeeds or not. <laughs> no. And the song is not even that good. And it's kind of like a that thing you do type situation, except that thing you do is a good song. Where it's like, hey, we got this one song. We're going to play it 14 times during this movie. <laughs> We'd heard this song yeah. so many times before. Like, it wasn't that. Yeah. And this one is even like acapella. So it's truly the most lackluster we've heard at. <laughs> well, right. until the band starts playing behind her. What made you guys emotional? If the song isn't good, they've played it several times in the movie. Like, like, what was it that choked you up then? Like, what was well, Chloe, that? I did not say it wasn't a good song. That was all Peter. <laughs> oh, that was me. I mean, it's a good song. But I would say this is a good song on the level of, like, Stars Are Blind is a good song. Like, it is fun. It's good. It's, like, it's there. And I love it. But it's not like this is, like, an emotional song that, like, speaks to me. Oh, right. But I think, you know how uh, America's Got Talent when they have those fucking golden buzzer moments <laughs> that, like, you just cry. It's like it's like in Josie and the Pussycats where they program into you, like, okay, this is when you feel something. This is an emotional <laughs> movie. You're going to cry. Right. Start crying. <laughs> yeah, because then even, like you said, that bitch had no character development. But when she punched <laughs> that guy in the face, that made me cry, too. I was like, even she <laughs> likes her now. Aww. Aww. <laughs> yeah, I did not cry. Um, not once. Not once. I'm not much of a crier, and I Heartless. don't think Coyote Oakley was going to be the time. <laughs> but I was happy for her. Again, I relate to her as a character, so I always love when you know the entitled bitch gets what she wants. <laughs> because three months later, Leanne Rhymes is performing "Can't Fight the Music" on top of the Coyote Ugly Bar because. Sure, why not? It was her album release party. It makes sense. <laughs> also, we already mentioned, but I want to make sure people listening really understand, and it's not just like a throwaway comment you forgot. Leanne Rhymes did all of Violet singing in this movie. So then when Leanne Rhymes has a duet with Violet, it's just two Leanne Rhyme voices, <laughs> which is nuts. And she sounds so different. Yeah. Peter told me this before I watch it. And then I watch it and I was I was trying to hear Leah Rhymes in Violet's voice. And I couldn't do that. It was so different. Yeah. They must have, what is it, like oh, auto-tuned or yeah. just messed like with it somehow or something. octave or something. Yeah, something or other. Yeah, it sounded or so different. Or maybe Leah Rhymes says ventriloquism and we didn't know. <laughs> she maybe. can change her voice. <laughs> <laughs> but you're probably right. So it still was her voice as... Violet, as yes. she did a duet with herself. Yes. That is bonkers. <laughs> that is unhinged. Well, that's why Tyra was in that scene. Because- <laughs> it's funny that I now know Leanne Rhymes entirely through Brandy Glanville, Real Housewives uh-huh. of Beverly Hills. And I keep thinking, like, who was Leanne Rhymes in 2000? Was like eighth grade me, like, holy shit, it's Leanne Rhymes. Or like, now I don't care. Mm-hmm. Like, who is Leanne Rhymes and why was she like the big deal celebrity to have there? But I wonder if in 2000, that was like a much more impactful celebrity to have in that movie than I'm remembering. I remember, like, I loved Leanne Rhymes because of this movie. So I don't know, like, going into the movie, if I cared, but afterwards, certainly yes. So much so, mm-hmm. in fact, that that's why I was late on the Real Housewives train. I started watching when someone said, like, oh, Leanne Rhymes ties into this drama. I was like, oh, I need to watch that. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm a Rhymes stan. My mom was a big Leanne Rhymes supporter, but I, so I have not said this this episode. I had seen this movie before, unlike mm-hmm. many of the movies we cover on this <laughs> podcast, but it was like recent. It was like I saw it for the first time 
I want to say like college years, my roommates made me watch. So I didn't watch it originally in the year 2000. So I don't know if it would have been a big moment for me because I did like Leanne Rimes because of my mom, but clearly not enough to know that that was a real Leanne Rimes song that was being sung. So who knows? Well, I think it was just for the soundtrack. Like, I don't think it was like her best of that they okay. threw together. Yeah. I, so if you if you only knew it from this, I'll forgive you. But I did Google today top Leanne Rhymes songs. The number one Leanne Rhymes song is "Can't Fight the Moonlight." Mm-hmm. Like that was her yeah. biggest hit. That's surprising. I would think it was "How Do I Live Without You." Like, I feel like that was a hit in the night in like the late nineties. I would think that, that was number two. Either. I think according to Spotify. Okay. That song I used to, when we went for car rides, I would stick my head out the window like I was a dog and I would scream <laughs> that. I would belt it at the top of my lungs. I can only imagine what the other cars on like 495 thought as they saw like an eight-year-old me being like, how can I ruin? <laughs> oh my There's God. so many moments where I'm like equal parts like thrilled and heartbroken that camera phones weren't a thing oh back God. then. And that's probably one of those for you. Like, would you want footage of that? I think for me, but I would be horrified because I know that that would be something that at the time, if social media was a thing, I'd be like, post it. I'm killing it. I want everybody to see. And then the internet doesn't forget. So I would be like going in for a job interview and they'd be like, we really like you just want to see one quick thing. And then there's like me sticking my head out the window like I'm a Labrador, you know? I'm just glad you weren't hereditary. (laughs) Oh my God. I think of that every time I stick my head out the window. I'm like, my head is just, I'm going to be decapitated right now. Like, I am in hereditary. Chloe, how often do you stick your head out of the window? <laughs> That's a good question. It's not so much when I stick my head out the window. It's, I think, I, oh, it would be nice to stick my head out the window right now, but I don't want to be hereditary, you know? Right. As a child, I spent like 90% of my time in the car with my head out the window, like far out the window. Oh yeah, the God. other song I used to sing because I liked how the wind would hit me is I would mm-hmm. sing the opening of The Lion King. I would go, Hasvenya! <laughs> and then the wind would be hitting me in my face. It'd feel like I was on a roller coaster. Wow, we're getting a lot of Chelsea singing this episode. <laughs> I think that my parents were just so relieved that I wasn't like talking to them. You know, they were just like, fine, do what you're going to do. <laughs> oh my God. Anywho. Also, I just looked up Leanne Rhymes' first album came out July 96. So by 2000, she was probably a big-ish deal. They were like, we can't get Jessica, so we're getting Leanne. <laughs> if this was like possibly the peak of her career. I just want to ask, like, what happened after that? Because I feel like there was this movie, there was Can't Fight the Moonlight. And then after that, I don't remember hearing about her after that, to be honest. Yeah. Right? I mean... Like, I can't name a single song after this. I know she dated Andrew Keegan maybe, like, around this time, a little bit after that. And that's all I can remember of her. I wonder if this, like, crossed her over to, like, pop charts. And then she just didn't do well there and then fizzled out. She kind of faded away. Yeah. On that note. On that note, plagiarizing (laughs) Alanis Morissette and faded away. (laughs) Love you, Leanne. So, final thoughts. If we were to cast this movie in a remake... Or do a sequel, what would the plot be or who would the players be? Well, we put something together. Ooh, okay. Let's hear it. <laughs> there were some thoughts we had while watching this that it was not super representative. There were, I think, three Black people in the entire movie. Mm-hmm. 
One was that like really mean assistant in the beginning. One was Tyra Banks who who vanishes very quickly. And one was the neighbor that she spies on and like <laughs> inspires her to sing. Right. <laughs> so we would want this to be more representational. And then I also feel like the the body standards that were mm-hmm. in Coyote Ugly were very like it they were stick yeah. then. Like it was very yeah. Uh, maybe not the healthiest body image to project. So we'd want like more diversity there. Chloe, you take over. <laughs> well, no, I, I completely agree. Yeah, I can read some of the casting choices yeah. that we yeah. thoughtfully prepared. Yeah. <laughs> Quickly, they'll want to say there was a, a meme that was went around last week that was choose a movie, keep one actor, and the rest will be Muppets. And that thought was applied to this where we're thinking that every customer in the bar should be a Muppet. Oh my God. And like, I really, I love adult Muppet humor. So I think having them being like fucking wasted and like really <laughs> yes. messy, big bar fights, but all Muppets. <laughs> Maybe only the men are Muppets and then you keep the women with their shoulder pads. Uh-huh. Okay. Oh my God. I love that. I would... And it's probably just because of Yellow Jackets, but I would like the whole cast to be Muppets, except for Melanie Linsky. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so we are casting Jax as Piper. Okay. Um, She has, like, the Jersey connection, and we just, she would just make a perfect Piper. Then we are casting Melanie Linsky's role. That is going to be JVN. Yes. yes. Yeah, right. I love that. They're so supportive in a great way. And I think there could be some like cool nurturing moments yes. there. Yeah. That. We really want like the cast to be super supportive of each other, which didn't really happen. Mm. You know, they're like a lot of the women with the exception of Melanie Linsky are just a little catty. Uh-huh. And that's something that we kind of when we recast this, we're going to move yeah. away from that. We cast the bar manager Lil as Laverne Cox. So good. That, I got the chills. I felt like I was watching that last song again. <laughs> Donna's going to start crying. <laughs> Mr. O'Donnell, hot Australian guy, is played by Zoe Kravitz. Mm. Okay. Fran Drescher is the mom. So we took out John Goodman. There's no dad. There's just Fran Drescher, supportive AF, and she's just an incredible mother. She's not eating lean cuisines. Violet <laughs> is probably encouraging her to eat like superfoods instead. <laughs> a harvest bowl, perhaps. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> And then we cast a bunch of coyotes. We didn't really assign them, but we're going to throw Jennifer Coolidge in there, Raven Simone, Lizzo, Tilda Swinton, which has to be my favorite. <laughs> that has to be my favorite, Tilda Swinton oh as a coyote. God. And then Leanne Rhymes, we're thinking like a Miley Cyrus or pink type. I'm into all of that. Yeah. That's a coyote ugly I would risk going into. <laughs> I love everything about that. Mine is not going to top this. <laughs> Although now that you did mention the Elizabeth Gilbert piece, I kind of want to throw mine out the window and just say, I want to recast and make her Lil. <laughs> now that you're talking mm-hmm. Muppets, you've got that cast of characters. I'm throwing mine away. Like, you win. <laughs> <laughs> just tell us who you cast it as, Violet, just so we have a taste of where your mind was. <laughs> I don't even want to tell you. That's why I want you to tell me. Okay, I thought that Abigail Breslin. Wow, oh, okay. that's nice. Thank like you, Chloe, that. because Donnie's about to send me like a mean DM. I thought she could like the innocence, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I get it. Huh? <laughs> no, I, no, I get it. I, get I love it. that. I Thank love you. that. Chloe, you really are that character from the movie. You're so supportive. <laughs> the nicest thing anyway. I just want someone to compare me to Melanie Linsky in the early 2000s. So thank you. you and Donnie's life. the bitch. 
coyote who's just like going to punch people. Anger <laughs> so Donnie, who did you cast? So I actually made it a sequel Ooh. where Coyote Ugly has been hit hard by the COVID shutdown as an endanger of closing. So Violet returns for a one night only concert to raise money so they can stay open. And she brings all of the biggest stars that she writes music for. So we'll have Leanne Rhymes, We'll have Olivia Rodrigo. We'll have Lizzo. Like all of these musicians that she ghostwrites for. I love that. Thank you. That's brilliant. Yeah, Coyote Ugly would be at risk of shutting down in COVID <laughs> because God knows what pandemic is starting in those bathrooms as we speak. Probably where COVID started. <laughs> Tyra Banks said in 2020 that there is going to be a reboot. There is a reboot in the works. So they're thinking TV show or movie. They don't really know yet, but they're talking oh, wow. about it. So, Well, after the week yeah. that Tyra Banks had, I don't know if she'll be included <laughs> in that anymore. We'll see if she signs back on we'll to see. Twitter. Uh, but. <laughs> so final, final thoughts. You guys touched on a lot of what aged like Blockbuster in terms of representation mm-hmm. and lack of diversity. What for us aged well about this movie, if anything? I have to say Piper Parabo's hair, <laughs> aged like fine wine. It looks incredible. We've talked a lot about, like, th- there's some <laughs> elements of this that are, I don't know, problematic is where we're going. But, um, like, when Violet said, why did you hire me? And Lil said, the average man is walking around with a toddler in his uh-huh. pants. You look like a kindergarten teacher and the kids will love it. And then literally starts ripping her clothes off. Like, there's elements of that. Like, this is a, a weird uh, message to be sending to the audience, which I think was probably a lot of preteen girls yeah. watching this movie. But then there was an element to this that was the women in this were all very badass, mm-hmm. female business owner. There was never a man coming to the woman's mm-hmm. rescue. Like there was a lot of very strong, badass female power in this, which I do think for 2000 was like pretty progressive. Yeah. So for the time, I think this movie was great. There weren't a lot of super cringy moments like you get when you watch really any other movie yes, from that. Yes, and time. I think that's part of it. I am a little bit desensitized to some of the problematic things at this point just because week after week we are covering these movies. And it's like in the scheme of some of the movies that we've covered, this one does hold up relatively well. Yeah. On that note, first of all, thank you so <laughs> yes, much for coming you. on. This was so much fun. Tell everybody, I mean, if they're not following you, like, why the hell are they following us? But tell them where they can follow you, any upcoming projects, all the things. Plug yourself. We're on Instagram at IM30AF. We're on Facebook, but who else is on Facebook? (laughs) My mom will know how to follow you. My parents are now following, and my mom will be like, are you talking about me with these butterscotch comments? (laughs) Yes, mom. Thank you guys so much for being here. And thank you guys for listening. The movie we are covering next week is Hitch. So if you want to watch along, watch that. And we will be covering that next week. We will talk to you later. Love Love you like like a sister. sister. Thank you for listening to I Am The Cute One, a nostalgia podcast. If you liked what you heard, be sure to give us a five-star rating and subscribe to our show. You can follow me at Real Donnywood on Instagram and TikTok. And if you want more of my personal brand of chaos, check me out at Ono Chels on Instagram. And for uncut, unedited, and unhinged video and audio footage of current episodes of I Am The Cute One, head to patreon.com slash IamTheCuteOne. And go to IamTheCuteOne.com for the most chaotic merch on the planet. Talk, Talk to, to you later. later. Love you Love like a sister. sister. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? 
Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.